Welcome to The Experts Speak, a product of the Florida Psychiatric Society. I'm Abby Strauss, and thank you for listening. I've always been very intrigued whenever I see a brain imaging picture that shows a person in pain and then the same person when they are distracted from the pain. And it's like looking at two different pictures, like these are two different people. And the second one is usually done from a non-medical or medicinal intervention. We often hear about the importance of using non-traditional pain management techniques, such as hypnosis or biofeedback. It has been suggested that they produce an analgesia that's quite often extremely effective. The question is how and why. Previously, Dr. David Cossio was a guest with us to talk about issues in pain management, and I recently learned that he published a book called Pain Relief, Managing Chronic Pain Through Traditional, Holistic, and Eastern Practices. So we saw the book, and I said, let's invite him, and he agreed to come back and talk to us about some of the non-traditional management interventions for chronic pain. Sir, thank you very much for being with us. Well, thank you for having me. I'm very excited to be on here again. Our pleasure. Okay. Pain management is very fortunate to have multiple modalities. For all people, it's a matter of choosing the best modality for them. So how do you choose a traditional pain medication, stimulators, surgery, the like, versus the alternative treatments such as yoga, biofeedback, psychotherapy, etc.? That's a broad question, but let's start with that. So you know, there are several factors that should play into that decision-making process. You know, you first want to know what kind of treatment you have, the type of pain that you have, and the kind of intensity of pain that you are dealing with. And then it kind of goes into your previous experiences and expectations for outcomes. What is the experience of your provider and what is your own experience with some of these types of modalities? You also consider cultural and spiritual influences. You know, I work in a predominantly African-American community and it's important to know their religious affiliations, what they are or what they're not able to do. Those kinds of things also can factor into the decision-making process. Obviously, as a patient, what do you prefer and what's your coping style? What's your physical and cognitive abilities? What other symptoms you might be going through? You know, it's not one thing. It's multiple factors when making that kind of decision. Is there data to really support that these alternative treatments work? That's That seems to be the big question. People want relief. The resource that I go to is the National Center for Complementary and Integrative Health. This used to be the National Center for Complementary and Alternative Medicine, but with the new, the renaming of the medical profession, it's now called the National Center for Complementary and Integrative Health. If you go on their website, they have all sorts of information showing you how these different alternative treatments have treatment uh, to support them. So just for example, in 2012, they did an analysis of all the data that was out there, and they found that acupuncture was a reasonable option for chronic low back pain, but also for things like headaches and osteoarthritis. Another example would be spinal manipulation. And again, it's also shown to be effective for chronic low back pain. And these things are as effective as some of the uh, traditional treatments like physical therapy, exercise, and standard medical care. So if you go on the National Center for Complementary and Integrative Health website, you can find information about all the different studies that are showing promise in these complementary and alternative treatment. Is there a sense if someone walks into a chronic pain management program, how likely are they to be given the alternative, which I guess we could call second line interventions, that may not be fair to them, but is it almost an invariability that they're first going to be tried on medications before they go to the alternatives? Yes, that's unfortunately the truth. 
truth. Most of the frontline practitioners that I speak to offer the medications as first line because that's the treatment modalities that they're most comfortable with or the treatment modalities that they have the most experience with. But if you really look at the research, though, there's really no evidence to show that traditional treatment's any better than the alternative. And again, we need to decide not based on whether one is better than the other. It's really based on the intensity of the pain and how invasive you really want to get into treating the pain. What about the emotional reaction to the onset of the pain? For example, a soldier is injured in battle. So there is a sense of they're doing something worthwhile, and this is a sad, tragic result of doing something worthwhile. Emotionally, it might have a very different headset compared to someone who's hit by a drunk driver. What are your thoughts about that? You're introducing kind of the idea of trauma into the equation. And this is actually a very exciting time in this area of research. Because what we know is that, for example, if a soldier is in combat and experiences an emotional trauma and a physical injury, that both of those two events will mutually maintain each other. But what we're finding out is that individuals who have an emotional trauma and a separate physical injury that is unrelated can also be benefit from a multidisciplinary approach using something like cognitive behavioral therapy to address the fear avoidance that is in common among both situations. So the research is showing that if we integrate mental health treatment into the pain management protocol, that we can see really good results. In your book, I read a very nice, simple, but so germane comment. You said that when you start to treat people, you need to have four to six months for the treatment to really do doing its thing. And I just know that so many people will come to you and say, I hurt, fix it. And the concept of waiting several months for it to get better seems alien. But I thought it was so true. It takes time to do this. I just, just comment on that, please. The actual data is that it takes about 50% of patients with moderate pain at least six months to reach pain point of real control. But the thing is, is the more severe the pain, the longer it's going to take. And the reason for that is because, as you were saying, people are looking for that magic pill, something that's going to immediately take care of the condition. And unfortunately, you're talking about the body having become weaker, having affected negatively your level of stress, which then affects your level of ability. And so to think that you're going to do something immediate and that it's going to unravel all of that that has been negatively affected is kind of unreasonable. The other thing is, is that people need to have reasonable expectations of what a successful treatment goal is. That's about a 40 to 60% reduction in pain. And a lot of people, when they come in and they have pain for an extended period of time, more than six months, we'll say, they want to have zero pain. And that's not really realistic. So again, there's two things that we need to address here. One is is the expectations that patients have about treatment outcomes, but also how long it's going to take. And it's going to take some time, which is why it's important that patients choose the type of treatment they pursue, but that they also stick with it. And when they choose, when they are given the options, how much of a variable is insurance? And I want to get to the various notions of yoga and biofeedback and acupuncture, mindfulness and all of those. We'll get to that in a few minutes. But do insurance policies pay for that? 
This is actually very uh, good timing because I just did a study looking at the five biggest health insurance companies in the United States. So that's the United Health Group, which is the Medicare and the Medicaid, Anthem, which is Blue Cross, Blue Shield, Aetna, Cigna, and Humana. And interestingly, what I found was that it really depends on the state that you live in and the policy that you have. In the most cases, things like acupuncture, biofeedback, chiropractors are covered and under insurance, but things like hypnosis or Reiki are not. But again, it is dependent on the insurance policy you have. Also, it depends on the state that you live in. What was interesting and fascinating for me to discover was the insurance company that offered the most coverage was Medicare and Medicaid. A pleasant surprise and at the same time, not necessarily what I hear from providers when I talk to them across the country. That's good to hear. I mean, that's just simply very good to hear. We need to know that. I happened to be speaking to somebody earlier today about hypnosis. A psychologist friend who did a lot of hypnosis years ago told her we were going to do this interview, and she reminded me of stories in the past where dentists used to use hypnosis rather than pain medicines when they were doing simple procedures. So the question is, that's pretty powerful. That's hypnotic analgesia. Is that That's for acute pain, for temporary pain. Do these alternative treatments work for the chronic pain, something that's going to be with you for a long time, all day long. I think the question that you're asking, and correct me if I'm wrong, is is how long-lasting are these treatments? Yes. So here's the unfortunate truth. It doesn't matter whether you use traditional treatment, whether you use complementary and alternative treatment, whether you use holistic treatment. It's something that you have to pull out and continue using throughout your experience. Again, our brains want to find something that's quick, easy, and that's going to resolve the pain permanently. And unfortunately, Unfortunately, that does not exist in the field of medicine right now. And it goes to a very old notion that they want the immediate relief from the pain, but pain management is an ongoing thing. I very often make the analogy that for some people, it's like chronic depression. We can't get rid of it, so we have to build mechanisms for for them to work around it. That seems to be what you're saying, or work with it. Yes, it's very similar to chronic disease, chronic being the most operative word there. And because it is chronic, we need to continuously address it. When people think of pain, they think it's an injury of the body and they forget that the mind and the brain has a role in pain. And the brain is a very complicated organ with thoughts and feelings and neurochemistry in addition to a pain signal that, and those things can negatively or positively impact signal. And so again, it's not going to be one thing. It's going to be a multidisciplinary approach to pain management where you're going to see probably the best results. Your book is titled Pain Relief, Managing Chronic Pain with Traditional, which most people understand as medications and surgery and spinal cord stimulators, that type of thing. But what is the difference between holistic and Eastern practices? I think people probably don't know how to divvy that up. The holistic treatments are the ones that address both the mind and the body. So those are mostly the psychotherapies. That includes things like cognitive behavioral therapy, acceptance and commitment therapy, biofeedback and hypnosis, complementary and integrative health modalities actually can be broken down into four categories. So there are, they include the mind-body treatments, but they also have natural biologically based, which are your herbs and your aromatherapy, but it also includes manual based 
It's like chiropractors and spinal manipulation and massage. And then there's the energy medicine, which includes things like acupuncture. So the Eastern practices are including things like acupuncture and some of the diets that are out there and that are outlined in the book, things like that. Okay. Now, let's move into some of the different alternative treatments. And the more we talk, they're really not alternative. I'm seeing them as part of mainstream, but they're still sometimes labeled as alternative. Mm -hmm. How do you delineate if someone needs psychotherapy, yoga, biofeedback? Where do you start making recommendations? How do you point a person in the right direction? What are the differences? A couple of things. I agree with you with the whole complementary and integrative health modalities not really being alternatives. It's actually a $50 billion industry in the U.S. So what's interesting is that people are doing these things, and my motivation is, is that they try the things that have the most support first before they try some of these alternatives. So it, it kind of depends on the person. You know, remember, you want to make decisions based on the intensity of pain, but also how invasive you want to be. So I would start off with the least invasive therapies first and then slowly move up towards a pain ladder to address more of the more invasive treatments. The non-invasive treatments would be things like psychotherapy, yoga, lifestyle changes, and then I would probably progress into acupuncture. Then I might progress into medications and then things like the spinal cord stimulators. What we keep going back to here, which I think is a very important thing, is the fact that you have to educate the patient. It appears to me that you have to educate the patient to be very, shall we say, aggressive and part of the program and not simply taking a passive treatment such as a medication. I can tell you, and I don't mind telling people, that a number of years ago I had an injury. I had surgery. Thank God it worked. I am very, very, very appreciative of that. But every now and then, it's like the devil comes back in and wants to remind me that he once lived in my body. And instead of taking medication, I learned a couple yoga exercises, which do it. But I had to learn it, and I had to practice it. So I say that hoping that it encourages someone else to learn these techniques as well. But this is an educational process. It's a little different than traditional medicine. That's how I see it. Absolutely, and I agree with you. You know, one of the things that I often say to people is is that it takes four times the amount of education and diagnostic assessment to treat pain knowing what exactly is going on with our patients. And so I agree with you. You were talking about passive coping versus active coping. And this is a concept that we stole from physical medicine and rehab with the idea that passive coping is when you are depending on someone else to give you the treatment, which is appropriate at the acute phase of pain versus active coping, which is when you have an active participation in your own treatment and don't need to rely on someone else like yoga and mindfulness and relaxation, things that you mentioned. What's interesting is is that the active treatments have a synergistic rather than an additive effect when they're combined with other interventions, which offer a potential to change not only the physical elements of the pain, but also the psychological ones. When someone approaches me with that kind of sentiment, what I say to them is that $50 billion are spent in complementary and integrative health modalities in this country every year. 
If modern medicine was addressing our needs in, in terms of pain management, people would not be spending $50 billion in these other modalities. And so I think that's why the government is really spending a lot of money trying to figure out what is exactly happening when people do these types of modalities to see if they actually do help people with pain, which is why they created the Center for Integrative uh, Health, but also uh, why they're you know finding all these new recent studies is because the government's putting money to figure out if these uh, uh, modalities are actually effective for pain. David Cassio is a psychologist who has written a book called Pain Relief, Managing Chronic Pain Through Traditional, Holistic, and Eastern Practices, talking about so many of the other very powerful techniques that are very, very helpful in the treatment of pain. Sir, thank you so much for being with us. Oh, and thank you for having me.